Coming up on Garden Talk. When they get switched to flour, the day of flour, no matter when they got switched, no matter how long ago they got vegetative nutrients, I give them two tablespoons per gallon of 484, period. Nematodes work really well too, um, but you have to be uh, diligent with them as well and keep dosing them because they still come back. And fungus gnats, their fungus gnats come back so easily. I get very equal results from topping and low stress training. The difference is, is that low stress is less stressful. And I've noticed that even topping the plant can stress it out and it can be droopy. And I watch all these videos. This dude told me it was the best way. Like everybody say their way is the best way too. The only way for you gonna know is just to go ahead and do it and, and, do, and figure out what's comfortable for yourself. What's up everybody, if you that don't know me, my name is Chris, aka Mr. Grow It, and you're tuned into the Garden Talk Podcast. This is episode number 19. In this episode, I talk with Mr. Goodbuds. He is a fellow YouTuber with over 19,000 subscribers on his channel, and his videos have over 1.3 million views combined. He does like to keep it simple in the garden, and in this video, we'll learn about his style of gardening and some of the easy gardening techniques that he does. If you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating or review. If you're on YouTube, that thumbs up button helps out a bunch and also subscribe to the channel if you haven't already and of course feel free to share this podcast with others and if you want to support this podcast even more you can do that through patreon the link is patreon.com slash mr and i'll provide a link down in the youtube description section below before we get into the episode i'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor dutch pro nutrients as i mentioned in a previous episode dutch pro is now a long-term sponsor of the podcast and they sent me over their nutrients to try out I'll be using their base nutrients, additives, and pH regulators. They are a plant fertilizer company that was established in Amsterdam 30 years ago, and their nutrients are available in several countries across the world. I'll leave a link to their Amazon store down in the description section below, and you can use coupon code MrGrowIt10DP for a discount on their products. Alright, now let's get into the episode. Okay, we are back. Garden Talk Podcast, and we are here with Mr. Goodbuds. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. What's going on, Mr. Grover? Good, good. I'm glad. Thanks for joining me today. You know, I, I think uh, the audience ought to know how long we've been trying to do this. Man, <laughs> has, I, I was going to say, when we when we finally did it, I was, you can go ahead and talk crap about it, because it's, it's been a long road trying to get trying to go from doing what I normally do to doing this type of uh, this type of content, so I had to get my stuff together. So yeah, right, it no, took no. us a minute. Yeah, I had like four fault. or five people request you, and uh, I've been even telling people, I'm like, we're trying to get it done, we're trying to get it done. So finally, we get to sit down, get it done, and uh, yeah. we'll get it out there for the people that uh, that want it. So cool. Oh, that's cool, man. I, I, I'm cool to hear that people request me on your platform because you gotta, you've been out doing it a lot longer than me, so that makes me feel real good. So. So I'll make sure I'm everything is up to par. I'm looking good on your on your platform too. <laughs> we have a real large following, right? You got like almost you're about to have twenty thousand people following you on on YouTube, which is huge. So yeah. you know, I, there's got to be some people in my audience that don't know who you are. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of how you got into gardening? Getting into gardening was a long journey for me. I I started wanting to grow probably about eight years before I actually started. Um, and during that time, I was living in a house where the basement was all screwed up. I live in, in Detroit, and I, in my old house, a lot of Detroit houses have problems with flooding basements and stuff. So I tried to start then, and I literally built an entire grow 
like out of out of two by fours and uh, black plastic and stuff. Then the basement flooded, destroyed all of it. Had plants, it destroyed the plants, and it was all bad. Um, and that was my first attempt. And so from that point on, I literally was so obsessed with growing that I researched it nonstop for like five years straight after that until I finally moved into the house I was in and I kind of forgot about it it's funny because I once I moved I forgot and it was one day I was over my boy house and I still had these same seeds the same pack of seeds the AK-47 seeds the first seeds I grew on my first growth my first season I had those seeds literally eight years I had those seeds for eight almost five years oh no I had them for like six years I had them for five years and then I stopped so when I moved I forgot about it. So I went over to my boy house who had been growing. And uh, and it was about the time to start growing. Right when uh, my first AK-47 season had started. Uh, my first uh, YouTube season. And uh, he asked me. He was like, uh, how come you ain't started trying to grow yet? It's the time. He was like, it's that season now. And I was like, you know what? I do still got those seeds. And so I'm like, I'm going to go ahead and drop them. And he had his. He was, he was growing outside. So I tried to grow outside that time, that particular time. And if you uh, watch my old seeds, you can actually follow everything I'm saying because I started it outside. And uh, and then I got like a super crazy rain and it just like I came home one day and all the plants was tilted over and they was all laying down and the dirt was falling out of the cups and stuff. So I moved it all inside. And I just started going from there. And then one day, my the, he, the same guy told me, he was like, how come you don't record everything and then make videos for YouTube for it? Because I had been doing it. And I'm like, I've been recording it for myself. And I'm like, you know what, I should do that. So I literally, in my first video, I took every clip I recorded, not making it for YouTube, but I just took the clips I recorded for myself and made my first video out of it. And I've just been doing it ever since then. So it's been a pretty cool journey since then. That's yeah. awesome. That's really cool. So you just had that one outdoor season or one outdoor period, and then you brought indoors, and you've been indoor. Is there for yep. sense? Or? Yeah, it was like a week outside, and then I didn't make it. I'm trying to do outdoor grow right now, but, yeah, I was like a week outside, it scared me too much, and I just bought it inside and got a tent and started from there. Gotcha. Are you mostly growing autoflowers or photo periods or, or what? Um, at first, I was growing both. It took me a while to figure out what I really liked the most, and at this point, I can say for sure that I like I prefer photo periods. Um, but I do grow autoflowers, and I had a lot of recommendations for autoflowers that people like, and I've had a, I've grown a lot of great autoflowers too. Um, so I do, I do like them both, but for me personally, and the amount of space that I have, I prefer doing photo periods. So I've been sticking to that mostly. Uh, but if I had more more space, I would grow everything. I like the photo periods. I want to get into breeding and stuff too, and I want to start making some feminized seeds. So yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, I know that. Um, you know, I've seen some of your your indoor grows on YouTube and. One thing I know you really like to do is you like to keep things simple. You like to make things easy. Uh, you have kind of a more laid-back, hands-off approach. And that's really what I want yeah. to get into here uh, in this podcast is ways to make things easy, simple techniques that you do, so on and so forth. So we're going to get into the questions that uh, I sent you uh, several weeks ago. <laughs> we first tried to plan this out. And uh, we'll go through your growth style and we'll talk about some of the things you do. So for indoors, what size growth space are you in? Um, so I have three tents. I work in a two 4x4s and a 3 by 3 um, I like the 4 by 4 the most. Um, for my photo period plants, it's perfect for what I like to do. 
Um, I like to keep four or seven gallon pots flowering like towards the end. Um, one of my tents is just a veg tent, which is, well, I don't know if you can see. This is the flower tent, but right next to it is the veg tent. And so I veg plants out in there and then flip them and flower right away. Um, and I've been doing that with my other tent too, but my other tent was mainly the auto flower tent, uh, mostly. But, um, yep, 4x4 four four mainly is my favorite space so far. But, again, I'm in a very tight space as well, so I would like to get in bigger bigger spaces. I hear you. I'm similar to you. I've got small area to work with myself. I've just got, mm -hmm. right now, I just got one 4x4 four four and one 2x4. So I'm actually running smaller than what you got there. Um, yeah. Now, what are you using for, for lighting for the three tents? Um, so I got uh, all Mars Hardware lighting. I got a... Um, Right now, I got in the 3x3, three three, I have an FC4800. Um, I don't run it at full power. I run it about I run it about 400 watts um, during the peak of flower. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, it's built for a 4x4, four four, but I like to go by, I got this, I got this from Mr. Canucks, too, that you, that you go off for 35 watts per, uh, per square foot, and I've had great success with it since I started, so I've been sticking with that ever since I started, um, so... I go strictly off of that, and in, in the other four x four, I have a TS three thousand, um, and I like to have like around six hundred watts per uh, six hundred watts uh, true watts from the wall in there, uh, and then I also have uh, the other four x four. I have two SP three thousands currently right now, and they're both running at three hundred watts, uh, so six hundred watts. So I like to keep them around the same thing at thirty five watts per square foot. The science behind it, I'm not completely sure about, but I've had wonderful success with it and i've done less than that and i've had i've had less success so i'm thinking that's a sweet spot for what we're trying to go for here i've had my hands on the sp3000 two of them in a full bat four i did a part test on it and it looks mm. like it rocks so it does. um yeah it does. It, that's cool to see you running that because when mm. i was doing the part test i'm like man i saw who's running two of those it's going to be working real good for them. So that, that's cool to see. I had my hands on the TS3000 too. I thought that was pretty good. And then the mm. FC4800, that's one of the newer ones, right, that they released? It's yeah. a, is that the bar style one? How do you like that? The FC4800 is awesome. Actually, with the with the bar the, the bar style lights that it has, it ha I have really good light penetration. And the first time I used it was with some very small clones that turned out really, really great. Um, the buzz, the, I, I grew OG Kush a lot of times already. And the one time I grew it was starting with very small clones underneath the 4800. I had a really nice size buzz, really dense buzz. And it was really good. So I'm thinking, I'm, I actually really liked that light, like that light, um, for that first run. Um, so I'm going to be using it. I'm going to stick with it for a while. I have the, uh, the detachable ones too. Uh, so I'm actually gonna be putting the 6500 in the other 4x4. I'm liking the I'm liking the bar style lights. I'm thinking that that allows a greater penetration. So I'm gonna uh, experiment more with it to see how the results we can get from it. Yeah, it definitely helps with like the light spread across the mm -hmm. footprint, right? Having that even light spread. That's one thing I personally like about those bar style mm -hmm. lights. I like with the bar style lights, especially when you can dim them. Um, yeah. You know, when you're not running CO2, you don't need to have these things at full power, right? It's your fried exactly. plants. Are you running CO2 or no? No, I don't. I actually have... <coughs> I'm sorry about that. I actually have a million kids, so... <clears throat> that's one of my things about trying to keep everything simple because they keep me really busy in my... I got a wife and 
Like, they keep you really busy. You know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. So, like, I live in a world where I want to grow, but I'm going to make mistakes. And so, like, I try to, like, I try to keep things as simple as possible so that I can maintain and get a, uh, get good results while still being distracted by everything else in the world. And because of that, I don't use CO2 because I have so many people in the house that there's plenty of carbon dioxide floating around in here. So, the kids always up here. It's, 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 and then I got millions of nephews and I got cats and so I got plenty of carbon dioxide in the house. So I actually don't supplement it. Um, I tried it once and I didn't notice anything different. And I'm thinking that was because I'm already I already got a decent amount of CO2 in the house already. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, if you have people living in the same house where you're growing in, I mean that is going to be enough CO2 for the plant. Uh, but I assume you do some sort of like um, like air exchange in the tent. Do you have like inline yeah. fans that you're kind of exhausting yeah. out of there? How, how is that set up? Yeah, that's all I have is just the exhaust fan. Uh, I run an exhaust fan in each tent. Um, I haven't been, uh, I don't use uh, carbon filters. I don't have to worry about the smell as much. Um, actually, I just realized that I probably should because the dry nutrients smell really bad when you water. So I just realized recently that I should use carbon filters, but I only got three uh, exhaust fans each one. I don't have any intake fans. I allow uh, my vents to stay open, and I leave like a vent or two on the side. The bigger tents, I leave two vents open, and then my three by three, I just leave one open, and that take care of the uh, intake of the air, and the exhaust is the air has to be replaced as the air is being exhausted out of the tent. So it works pretty good, and I exhaust the air right into my room. I've been doing that ever since. I know a lot of people like to uh, like to exhaust it out of the room completely. Uh, I wasn't able to do that in the situation that I'm in because uh, my room is in the attic and it's a weird room. Um, so I just exhaust everything right into the room, and I haven't had no problems with it. So that's all I do: one exhaust fan, then one uh, air to circulate the air inside the tent. And that's it. it. Must smell amazing in there. <laughs> oh man, when the when the Plants are flowering. It's, it's, it's wonderful. <laughs> like, I love to leave the house and then come home. And they'd be like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, it smells wonderful in here. <laughs> you get used to it while you're here all day. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I uh, actually don't. I haven't been running um, carbon filters either. And that's a good mm-hmm. thing to bring up, right, is that's an optional piece of equipment. If you don't need to yeah. hide the smell, you don't need that piece of equipment. So yeah, another yeah. way to kind of keep it simple, if you don't need to hide the smell, don't even buy the equipment, exactly. save the money there, you know. Exactly. But, yeah, I think my neighbors probably <laughs> can smell it, like, <laughs> late flowering, you know how it is. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. Even when you're, like, drying, like, it, they can even yeah. smell it, you know. The so. drying be something different, too. <laughs> that's when it transforms and it get a lot more, a lot, a lot a little danker. I've had so many, like, FedEx drivers and UPS drivers, like, just like, ooh, smells good in there. <laughs> 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 uh, that's fine. Let's, uh, let's continue to talk about environment a little bit. Temperature. What do you usually aim for when it comes to attempts? Um, so, this is, a, this is another thing when it comes to keeping everything simple. Uh, ideally, ideally, like when I get into a facility, I would like to keep everything I would like to have different temps and ranges for vegetative and, and flower plants. Um, but being all in one room and not being able to do that and having to have everything up here to keep it safe for my family, everything pretty much running at the same temperature and the same humidity all the time. So the only thing I can control and I can keep a difference in is the drying tent 
which I like to keep it 65% RH. But inside the room, I'm pretty much at the mercy of whatever the season is. So if it's wintertime outside, then the humidity in here is nothing. Like, there is no humidity in the air in here because it gets extremely dry in the wintertime. And, uh, and there's no way I can. It's, I've tried. I, I've tried. Um, I've tried raising the humidity in my veg tents and stuff, and and it just it's just impossible in this room. In this room, this room is horribly insulated, and it's just a, it's just a, a pain. And then, and vice versa, in the summertime, the humidity is super high. So it's kind of different in the summer because the air conditioner helps lower the humidity. So I keep the humidity around 40, 50 ish, um, and and that's just about as low as I can get it. Um, but it doesn't bother the plants and flower, and I haven't had really any problems. Um, at first, at first, my veg plants that were used, because I did use a run, I had a humidifier that I ran in the veg tent for a while, um, but I was literally refilling it every few hours, which drove me crazy, and I just was like, you know what? I'm like, y'all just not going to have no humidity because I can't do this. I can't keep up with it, and, and they ended up. They had during that growth, that particular growth, they adjusted to it, which I learned that the plants will adjust, and they'll go for, they'll do fine. Even my clones, uh, I don't have a dome over my clones either, and they don't have a problem with that either. So they're pretty uh, relentless, relentless guys there. So they, they, they adjust, and I, I pretty. And, oh, I didn't answer the temperature. The temperature, I do have great control over. Um, I always keep the temperature around 75 in the room period uh, with the air conditioner during the summer and the winter. Um, I'm able to keep it around 75, 70th. Uh, I had a few times that it's gotten super, super high being in the attic. Um, it, it is a fight to keep it there. That's why that's the lowest I can ever get it. Uh, but yeah, humidity though, I, just, I can't control the humidity at all. You bring up a great point is you don't really have to have the optimal humidity, right? That That is widely said online is you need to be in this range for veg, this range for flower, so on and so forth. You can get away with lower than that. You can get away with higher than that, right? It's not going to be optimal exactly. growth, but the plant will still grow. The plant is resilient, like you said. So um, yeah. if you are trying to keep it simple, if you're on a budget or whatever, you can probably get away with not having some of this equipment and not regulating Definitely humidity and stuff like that so now people could probably argue about the overall final quality of the product yeah. i mean i think that's a fair views on that but you can still the plant will still grow still usable it's not going to be detrimental to you grow to where you have nothing to exactly. harvest you know what i mean so. i think what people i think what people get hung up on a lot and which was something for me starting off is getting into learning about growing everybody makes it like an extremely big deal like like everything has to be perfect um this has to be there this has to be that way if you're not doing this then your stuff is trash and a lot of people get discouraged by that but we 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 growing we growing for ourselves and like that's what i had to tell myself and like like when i when i was done i was happy with like even though it wasn't as great as like my first time when i got done with my first growth like it wasn't the greatest i ever had but i was happy and it was satisfying to me, and that's why I realized, like, man, I just like it may not be the best of the best, but I'm not trying to like sell this stuff. Like, I'm just trying to appease my own my own pastimes, and 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 I think that I think that people need to think about what's good for them, and 
and and just do it and see how you like it. Like, don't get hung up on it being the best ever or, you know, somebody tell you like this, but that's not the biggest or it doesn't smell. Like, just do it and see how you like it for yourself, and You're going to be satisfied for yourself, and you're going you're gonna to go, you're going to do as much or work as hard as you need to work so that you can get what you want. Well, I think that's really important that people remember that they're doing it for themselves. Absolutely, for sure. I mean, you even had a grow I saw on your YouTube channel where temp went up to 106. And uh, the, the, you still got a final product out of it, right? Do you want to talk a little bit about that? I did. That was that was amazing too. And that was that was another thing that showed me like just listening for everybody else when things like that happened. I started panicking. I panicked. Like I came home, I opened the door. Let me tell you how hot it was. I opened the door to my room, and it was like a sauna. Like woo, and like I instantly started sweating. I'm like. What the heck? Like, and not only that, the aroma from the room was so strong. It was like it cooked them. Like, it was like they got cooked in the heat. And I literally panicked. Like, I I lost my mind. And I went through here, opened the window, fanning them out, opened the tents all the way. I took took them off the bars and left them open all night. And like the plants was all droopy and they were hurt from it, but. And I panicked, and I, I literally thought that, that that harvest was going to be for nothing. Man. It wasn't. I, it was wonderful. Like, you would have never knew. You would have never knew that that happened to it. That's awesome. Right. That's funny. Good recovery. I'm glad you were able to, to get stuff yeah. out of that. That's, that's yeah, great. that was scary. That was probably one of my scariest, scariest uh, times since I've been doing this. Let's switch it up. Let's talk about what medium you grow in. So are you in soil, cocoa? I know you don't do, like, DWC or anything like that. Uh, I use roots organic soil, which is which is mostly cocoa and peat moss. So it's not actually soil. Peat moss is partially soil, but it's mostly cocoa and peat moss and perlite. It's a lot of perlite too. But it's been I use it I use it once and it's, I had great results with it and the plants all love it. And so I've been using it ever since. I don't really know much about dirt either. So I uh, recently went to the store was was uh. It was a lot of guys walking out with bells of um, Pro Mix. And I was asking the guy about the Pro Mix. He confused the crap out of me. Like, that mean the kid. Like, if you complicate stuff so much, I was like, he said, like, you got to do this and then mix this down and then put some of this in. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, never mind. <laughs> like, I just, I just go get through this organic. I'm not about to do none of that stuff. Like, oh. Like he was talking about mixing his, basically making his own amendments, which I know a lot of people do, but it was just like, I was just about to, uh, I was just get the roots organic. I didn't even know. I thought y'all were just growing in the in the uh, pro mix. <laughs> Are you? Uh, does the roots organic? I, I've heard of it. I'm not. I haven't grown in it before. Does it have nutrients already in it? Yes. Yeah. It's, okay. It's real, uh, real heavy in vegetative nutrients, and it's not. It's not too bad too that. It'll burn the plants because when sometimes when I go right in the flower and I use that, I'll mix flower nutrients directly in it, and it has no issues with that either. So it's 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 like the perfect mix. And I've had I have used uh, Fox Farm soil the very very first time I tried to grow, and it actually is burning my plants. My uh, all of the plants, all my uh, all my seedlings, they all they all came out kind of burnt. They were fine. And they were still growing. But they came out looking kind of weird, and I didn't know why then. But now I'm thinking it was because the soil was too hot. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I primarily use the, the Fox Farm soil, I think. Out of the, you know, But then sometimes, you know, you leave the soil out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could be more know. breakdown and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I've had yeah. I've had a few problems, but very, very few problems. Very rare to have problems with the Fox Farm. That's just me, but I have heard of people not having good experiences with that soil. But, um, no, the yeah. fact that the Roots Organic has nutrients in it, so you're probably not doing any sort of feeding for what the first 30 40 days depending on how much you're transplanting and stuff or yeah it's pretty exactly. keeps it kind of easy huh so do you start off in like a small container and then work your way up to that seven gallon that you spoke about yeah exactly so especially with the photos i i always start off in like a solo cup coming from out the cloner um going to a solo cup and they literally stay in the solo cup forever like i got plans that'd be like three feet tall in the solo cup like and i literally put nutrients in the solo cup and just put it right on top of just water because I, I be so busy. But, yeah, I put it in the solo cup, and uh, I try to keep it. I try to uh, go into one gallons. I like to go in between a one gallon before I go into the seven. Um, so I go from, like, the solo to a one gallon. Uh, after it just feel, it look like it's dying off. Then I keep it in a one gallon to death. Um, and like you said, I just I just re-admit every 30 days. But if I'm, not, um, if I'm not flipping the flour or anything like that, I'll just... I read me with some dry nutrients, but every 30 days with the with the soil, um, they I don't I'm not feeding at all. It's just I try to keep the water around 6.5 to 6.8, uh, and I just plain pH water the first 30 days. Uh, after that 30 days, if they're going into flower or they're going into another pot, if they're getting transplanted, they don't get fed. So and that's what I love too. That's why I try to try to keep everything around those same time periods too. So. Like, if it's around that time ready to transplant, then I'll, I'll wait it all the way out. And then when I transplant, they can go another <coughs> they can go another 30 days. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll try and keep it right around. So if I had to go in the flower, which I still have to, uh, I still have to feed them. But if they go in the flower, I still try to keep it right at that 30-day limit. So I know that they ate all those vegetative nutrients and, and they was ready for new nutrients and stuff like that. I really ever only have to feed mostly flower nutrients i barely ever use my uh, my vegetative dry nutrients so which nutrients are you using uh, i use down to earth uh, dry nutrients so i only use a few of them the uh, 444 the 484 rose and flower that's what i use for flower uh, i use bone meal as a halfway through flower flower boost um, it has three and fifteen uh uh, phosphorus and uh, and zero potassium, and then I use I use their dolomite lime uh, every once in a while too. So just those, just those four. So you're fully organic then, right? Yes. Now yeah. that's something I'm really big on. I don't I I don't agree with chemicals, um, and mainly because my hair too, like and like things I do with my body. I a lot of things I do with my body. I don't use any type of chemicals in my hair. I don't eat chemicals. I don't use things with petroleum, uh, things like that. So I, I carry that over into into growing the plants as well. I, I, I like to stay away from chemicals uh, and just try and keep it completely organic. Things that you can get from the ground, because I believe I like I'm a real heavy on I'm also heavy on like apocalyptic situations too, and I know I want to still be able to do this like after like after apocalypse, and so you want to be able to. I like to look up a lot of ways to like get natural nitrogen, natural phosphorus, and potassium and stuff like that, and just keep everything organic. 
Gotcha. I know a lot of people, Down to Earth is very, very popular. And I actually know a lot of people that are kind of looking for instructions on how to use it. They don't give very good, clear instructions on how to use it. Can you just no, mention no. One, a little bit more, like, how you apply that to Down to Earth, yeah, the different so, ones, uh, and when do you apply it? So, yeah, like I said, with the dirt, every 30 days, now if I do need to, <clears throat> if they're going to get the vegetative nutrients, then I'll do two tablespoons per gallon of the vegetative nutrients per gallon pot that they're in. So if they're in a five-gallon pot, then they'll get 10 tablespoons. Um, and then that'll be every 30 days if they're going to stay in that pot. Uh, when they get flipped, when they get switched to flour, the day of flour, no matter when they got switched, no matter how long ago they got vegetative nutrients, I give them two tablespoons per gallon of 484, period. And, and then halfway through flour, like maybe late week four, early week five, I'll give them 75% 484, and then I'll give them 25% bone meal. And so basically, they're still getting the two tablespoons per gallon no matter what. But I'll add that up, and then I'll break it down to 75% of the 484, and then 25% bone meal. So like if it was a five-gallon pot, and I was doing two tablespoons per gallon, they would get seven and a half um, tablespoons of the 484, and then they would get two and a half tablespoons of the bone meal, so they still got the exact same amount. I just like gotcha. to give them a little boost at the end of the uh, second half of the flower period. That makes sense. And I know you also do microbes too, right? You inoculate with microbes. I yes. think you're using uh, recharge. Yes, uh, are you recharge. Using anything other than recharge or just recharge? And what's your? What, how do you apply the recharge? I started off using Roots Organic uh, Organism XL. Um, and then I started to recharge. The only reason I, they're both exactly the same for me. Um, they both recharge didn't do any better than Organism XL. The only thing difference was that was very important is that that Organism XL clumps and it gets really hard and it like turns into like these like rocks. And then it's like basically it takes you half the time trying to break it down so that you can feed it to the plant. And the recharge doesn't do that. It stays in that powdery form the whole time. But the the microbes are extremely important. I found that having having a good micro micro uh, life in the soil, however you put it, uh, microbiology, living with the soil, living with those microbes in it, is very important for breaking down the the um, organic, having the organic nutrients that I use. It works hand in hand with the dry nutrients, though. That's, those are, that's, that's my, uh, that's the only thing I do, those dry nutrients and the recharge microbes once a week and some pH water, and that's it. Nothing, that's nothing more than that. Yeah, not too bad. And talking about microbes, it's, you know, we're talking about making things easy, maybe saving some money, things like that. Microbes, you know, when you're growing the organic side, like you mentioned, they're so important. So that might not be something that you kind of want to skimp out on, right? So yeah. you're going to get a lot better results if you do have those microbes breaking down, right? Exactly. So, um, yeah, that's a good call out. So recharge using just in flowering or using throughout the whole grow? I use it the whole time. It's most important for me in flower. I make sure I never miss a, a feeding of recharge in flower, but I do use it the whole time. Um, but sometimes I'm, I'm a little more relaxed about using it in veg, uh, just because it's not. The veg plants kind of grow. Like veg is veg. That the veg time is time for them to heal. They're able to heal themselves. They're able to recover and like, like it's a, it's a more of a much more relaxing time. Like there, it's, it's like once you get into flower, it's like a race. So like like then during that time, it, they I make sure they get recharged every week. On 
on the dot. Like, there's no missing, no retards. And it's crazy because, I, I, like, it works really well because you can see. It says it on the bag, like, noticeably. You'll notice the difference in your plans. You do. Like, you do. They'd be really happy, like, the next day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And not having the microbes in veg. I mean, if you're working with a quality bag of soil, right, it already yeah. has those microbes in there to start. It's going to be enough for the first 30, yeah. 40 days or whatever. So, yeah, keeping it easy, just, just inoculating the flower. I like it. Mm-hmm. How about plant training? Let's switch it up to that. Let's talk about what do you typically do for plant training throughout the grow? Plant training. So, man, um, with the plants, plant training, depending on what I'm doing. So, I found that with the photo periods, well, this is all in keeping it easy. So, for me, topping and low stress training, I get very equal results from topping and low stress training. The difference is, is that low stress is less stressful. And I've noticed that even topping the plant can stress it out and it can be droopy. Uh, especially if you got more than one top and you topping all the tops. It, it can stress the plant out and get droopy. And so I, I don't, I don't like to, um, I don't like to top auto flowers. Uh, a little lot of people say auto flowers, they don't want to stress them out too much. So I strictly train them, and this is because I've noticed stress from from topping the plant. And at the same time, I've broken the entire top off of an auto flower, and it still is my second highest yielding plant from that growth. So I don't always know, but I I try to stay away from from stressing out the auto flowers as much as possible. Um, but topping is way easier. It's really easy just to top a plant than having to pull out all these plant ties and bending the plant over, trying not to break it, tying it down. Like that could get that could be a lot more work than just pinching off the top and being done with it. So with the photos, I, I just strictly top the photos. Uh, I don't really do too much anything else unless one of them starts to grow too much farther, too much taller than the rest. Then I'll do some super cropping. Uh, just to bend it down and bring it back down to the same level. Um, but I strictly just top my uh, photo period plants. I top them like three or four times too. Like I top it once at the top. Once it gets the two tops, I top both of those. And then I let it grow all the four tops. And I top all four of those tops. And that's it. After that, it bushes out. Then I usually get it. It's usually about time to get it under the scrog net uh, for the photo period plant. So that's about all I do for the photo periods. And once they get big enough, in the 4x4, four four, I do use a scrog net. I will utilize a scrog net um, because it does help um, with light penetration and maximizing the yield. Uh, I found um, that when you spread those plants out, they will replace tops. Like, if you bend the top down, it will replace it with two more tops, even if you're not pinching them. It, like, if you remove a top out the way, it'll allow another top to get to grow to where that is. So I love to put the, I love to take that scrog net and bend down all those main tops and then you and then it's always a bunch of small leaves, like small tops that's right at the top of the scrub. And and in a couple of weeks, when those other tops are bent over, as those grow back up, those small tops grew up as well. And then now you got a whole bunch more tops. And I like to use the three inch the three inch uh, scrog net for that. And then after that, once I fill that up, and I try to strategically sometimes though, I, I have gotten away. I have a. Uh, recently gotten away from trying to fill up every single square um that was a big deal for me at first but i found that's another thing it's not that serious i don't filling up every single square versus not every square but getting most of them and i haven't really suffered my yield too much so like i just try to keep the work easy 
Uh, after that, I put a six-inch uh, square scrog net on just to hold them up. That's it. And the auto last I love stress training auto, but that is so low stress training is is so is so much work because they they grow out of it so fast, and like you a low stress trainer, and then come back the next day and they've all grown up. And then I've even had plants like rip out of the ties and like you literally have to keep tying them down every single day and they just keep growing and it's an everyday thing. So I try to stay away from low stress training. It was why I tried to stay away from auto fire. I got like auto fire is kind of hard. Like just just in those things, just talking like that, like it makes it a little bit harder. Like. I totally get what you mean. I, I do a similar technique for topping. You know, I'll do the main top, then I'll top those tops, and then I'll top again. So eight main colas or sixteen yeah. main colas, depending on how many times you top. But you know, one thing I've challenged myself to do when it comes to low stress training, because I like to do the topping and then do low stress training along with it to try to keep the canopy even at that point. My and um, <laughs> you got to fly after going after you right now. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, as I'm bending them down doing low stress training, I'm challenging myself more and more to just bend with my hands and then mm-hmm. use no ties. And I've actually been getting away yeah. with it. And just bending it now, yes, it's, it's going to be beneficial to get in there twice a day and do the hand yeah. bending. You can get away with it once a day. You might not have as much good of a uh, uh, canopy just doing it once a day, but it's definitely possible to get away with low strength training without ties, for sure. Yeah, definitely. It definitely is. I did, I, I've done that a few times. And then I know you do some defoliation too, right? So uh, you pluck yeah. off some leaves every now and then. When do you usually do that? Oh, uh, now defoliation. Defoliation is very important too. Uh, I forgot about that. So like with all those with all those info periods, I defoliate all of them. In the beginning, I used to I used to not defoliate the other flowers barely at all. Uh, but one of my grows, I particularly did it on purpose, and I, I did it in my normal defoliation because I don't do too much defoliation. Period. Like I'm still always with photos or auto, I'm still very selective about it just to keep the the top sides uncovered. Um, but one of my auto grows, I actually particularly just went ahead and just was like, I'm just going to defoliate like I normally would. And I have no issues out of it at all. So I defoliate all my plants. Uh, I try to keep the big families. Uh, the Once those families get really big, I take them off. Um, I like the, uh, you know, like when they, they start getting the granddaddy families, like like those huge families that's been there. For those families, I, I take those off for the ones that have been there from the beginning. I just try to keep the huge ones going, and like the the regular size families that they grow, like they like they grow new families and stuff. Like as they grow tops, then they grow new families, and like I like the new tops to keep those they families. And so like as the plant gets older, I take the old families and I just let it develop new families. And as it gets bigger and bushes out, as those older families that's super huge and those tops got really long, I take all those old families again. And, and just keep, I just keep doing that same routine. And I do that to the auto flowers too. And I don't have no issues out of it. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I do. It's similar. You know, I am defoliating, particularly within the first three weeks of flowers when I'll pluck off the leaves. And then after the stretching period, once they're done stretching, you know, the buds fatten up. I don't like to pluck off leaves during that time period. That's just me. I know people do it all the mm. time. They get away with it, so on and so forth. But uh, that's just me. And then sometimes, like, towards the very end of flowering, like, day 45 of flowering right like a week before two weeks before harvest i'll get in there and i'll do defoliation kind of on the middle of the canopy 
um, so mm. leg can get down in, and that helps with the finishing, in my opinion. So um, that's kind of what I do there. How about let's switch it up and talk about pests? What do you do? Do you do anything at all to prevent pests from? I know you got a house fly running around there, oh, um, yeah. and you've got your grow tent right behind you. <laughs> uh, whoa, whoa, what do you do to uh, prevent pests, if anything? Well, the um, now I try. To, I like the nematodes. Um, I went through a lot of different things with the pests. I tried uh, neem neem oil. Uh, the neem oil works really great, but it smells horrible, and it just and it has a really strong smell. And so, like, it works really good, but it fills your entire house. Your whole house will smell like neem oil, and you can't use it during flower. Uh, so then I got away from the neem oil. I started using mosquito bits. Mosquito bits work pretty well, um, but not great for spider mites. I try, I've had fungus nests a million times, and I've had um, I've only had spider mites once. Um, so the neem oil spray worked okay. Um, it worked great for the spider mites and the, it worked great for the spider mites and the fungus nest while it was in veg. Um, but it wasn't really much I could do for them, uh, once it was in flower and they still came back. Um, so after I got away from doing that, then I said I started using the mosquito dunks. Mosquito dunks didn't do anything at all, obviously for spider mites, but they were good for a little bit for, uh, fungus nets. Um, but they still kept coming back. Fungus nets are relentless. Um, so then I started getting into uh, using nematodes. Um, and nematodes work really well too, um, but you have to be uh, diligent with them as well and keep dosing them because they still come back. And fungus gnats, their fungus gnats come back so easily. And and then these damn flies too. I like to keep uh, I like to keep uh, fly traps up in the east grow tent too. Uh, I don't know, I don't know where all these flies just came from just today because they all came today to bother me. Uh, so, so I actually went and got some more uh, sticky chops. I love to keep the sticky chops up too, just to, just so that it alerts you to what you got going on. Because uh, you don't really, I, you don't really notice the fungus nest for real, unless until you come to water the plants and you water them, and then the fungus nest get to flying around. Um, but I love to come in every day and just take a look at the sticky chops and see what's on them, and then you'll know that you got other things. I haven't had spiderman uh, spider mites again since then though. Um, so I've been pretty good. I haven't. I've been pretty, pretty blessed with the, um, with the uh, pests, except for the fungus gnats. I haven't had anything else. Yeah, I was going to mention the yellow stickies because I've seen those in your videos. And um, you know, trying to keep things simple, sticky put just sticky traps up is kind of an easy thing that you can do in order to um, help catch the fungus gnats so you can kind of see and then take action from there. Now you're growing organically. The medium needs to be moist at all times. It's no surprise that fungus gnats will will come at you a lot, right? They thrive in that wet medium uh, on yeah. that top layer there. So having those sticky traps there are so key. And uh, like you said, I mean, they could just invade so quickly. And then before you know it, you get that fungus gnats damage on the, on the leaves, like the, the yellowing in the leaves and like those circle uh, spots, the rust spots, just all the leaves, yeah. and you know you have fungus gnats, and it gets yeah. really bad, really out of control. And those yellow sticky traps are an easy way to at least catch, to identify, and also yeah. helps remove some of them, right, because they're, they're getting trapped into dying there. So, exactly. Um, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I know we're kind of flipping things around here, kind of getting all over the place. One other thing I wanted to talk about was I think that I saw in your video – it's not on the list of questions that I gave you, but I figured it would be good to bring up here because I thought it was pretty interesting, was the uh, after you harvest, right, 
you do your trimming or whatever, and you're putting it into actually a vacuum seal. Can you talk to yeah. me a little bit about that? You said you, you had a lot of success doing that, right? So that's something that that's something that I discovered recently. <laughs> it's funny. I can't explain exactly how I discovered it, uh, but basically, basically, I needed to figure out how the product was going to be after being vacuum sealed for like a week. <laughs> so, so, so it was how I don't normally do. I just I just happened to just do it this one time, and uh, and so before I did what I did, I just wanted to make sure that it wasn't going to be destroyed afterwards. So I just wanted to check. So I. Uh, so as I did what I did, I took some more of the plants and I put them, I vacuum sealed them, and then I left it in there until the other thing that I was doing was ready, and and then I came back to check to see how it was, see how it turned out. I actually took, I actually experimented with two ways. I took a, I took a, a bud and put it inside of like a, a regular mylar bag and sealed it. And then I actually vacuum sealed some of it in, inside of a vacuum seal and sucked all the air out, and then sealed it that way. Now in Detroit, in Detroit, we got this stuff that we got this this stuff that a lot of people like to call Zaz, was or exotics. And basically, basically the way that they do it is more so is more so chemicals and stuff that they uh, they give it this really tight look. And it's really, it's really strong smell. So after after this week was up, and I opened this pack, I was completely blown away because like I was like, oh my god, like I, like it turned to exotic, <laughs> like like it literally like got really tight, and then the smell was like extremely strong. And I opened it up, and I was just like, like what did I, what did I just do? Like, and then I did it again. Then I harvested another plant. And I did it again. And so, are you letting them dry? You're harvesting and then letting them dry, then trimming, or are you just trimming and then going well, right to I the... actually, uh, so I trim it and then I put it in a jar. I leave it in a jar okay. for a week. I let it cure normally okay. for a week, uh, just because it'll still be kind of soft still. And like I feel like I'd be scared to do it right in there. Like I'd be feel like it's gonna just crush it completely. So I let it, I let it cure like regular for a week, uh, and then I go to the vacuum seal and and I just squish to make sure it's. And you gotta have a, it. Gotta start with like a good material. So your material need to be a decently dense material already. Uh, and like and like, cause I've had, I've tried to do it with, like I've had like an auto that didn't grow as great and it was it was kind of fluffy. And I tried that and it did not work. It just crushed it. And even after letting it cure for a week, it still crushed it. So like, it still has to be decent, a decent uh, plant. That's a that's a decent. Decent denseness that can withstand the strength of, the, of it being squashed like that. But yeah, after a week, regular here in the jar, put it in the vacuum seal, and I only do it for one week, literally only one week. And it's just a, it's just a compact it like that, and then it just it does something to the smell, like like I, it's I, it's almost like it just like it's almost like it traps everything inside, and like once you open it up, it never loses it, like. Like and I and I take it out after that week. I break it all down like how it was, and then I put it back in the jar. And I just I continue curing just like normal, and just like normal, and it continues to cure normally. But it just I just do it for the look and and, and that smell. It just boosts the smell. Like I can't t- I can't I'm not gonna lie and sit here and say that it makes it smoke any better. 
um, because it doesn't, and it like, and like, and it, like, it smells just as great either way. But like, but for the appeal, it definitely does. It definitely does something for the appeal, especially with, for, with in, in my city. A lot of people are looking for, and like, it does that. I'm not even sure if that's how they do it or not, because it seems like that's how they've been doing it. Because it literally did that, and it, it was pretty cool. So I've been doing that ever since. Just one week, vacuum seal a week. And then back to the jar. Yeah, I've been doing that with everything. It's just, it works pretty. I like it. Yeah, I can imagine the video that you showed. It looked like it was tightening up those buds quite a mm-hmm. bit. So yeah, as far as back of the, I mean, it t- makes total sense. So I thought that was interesting. Fair to bring that up on here in case anybody either mm-hmm. wanted to know that as a tip, or if uh, maybe some people are already doing that and, and they already know about that. But it's not something we normally see. Yeah, and I couldn't find no information on it myself either. Mm. It was one of those things that I had to like. I had to come up with that little routine myself because I researched it hard. Like, after I did that that one time, I did a lot of research. Like, how should I do it? Should I go straight from the plant? Should I trim? Like, should I, how long should I dry? How long should I leave it? I couldn't find no information on it. So, it was something I just had to experiment with. And so, like you said, if anybody wants to do what I did, uh, I explained one more time. Uh, I trimmed cured regularly in the jar for a week vacuum seal leave it vacuum seal for a week and go back to a jar for the remainder of the curing cycle huh? that's it all right well i know that most of your following there was a lot of followers of yours that are beginners and they're following you do a great job with kind of explaining things uh, you know step by step on your channel by the way um oh, thank you that being said you probably get a ton of questions from beginners so on and so forth what advice do you have for people who are just starting out? Advice I have for people that are just starting out is go for it. Uh, jump into it and, and get your first growth started. I spent a lot of time, a lot of time, confusing myself and harping over how I should do it, what should I do, am I doing it right, like, which seeds. Like, pe- like, getting into growing is so frustrating, like, like, it is so hard and so frustrating to get the information, to get some type of solid information that you need to make you comfortable enough to pull the trigger on what you want to do. It's so hard. Like, like you'll never be comfortable enough with the information that you get. And what I learned from that is just to do it and and learn from doing it. And, and that's the best way I've learned. And it... And, a lot of a lot of stuff about the way that my channel is is because it was is because a lot of that stuff was hard for me to come across. Like a lot of information that was hard to come across for me, and and a, and a lot about like me being simple and simple mind. A lot of, about that too is is uh, is it was really hard for me. Like like when I first started, I was trying to build an ebb and flow table. They had me trying to build an ebb and flow table for flour. They had me trying to build a, a, a draining field. Uh, uh, um, it was crazy. It was like one of them was going to be an ebb and flow where it would flood the whole table and then drain. And the other one was like a dripper. The veg system was like a dripper system. And, like, it had all these leads and this water pump and all this stuff that the guy was making me build. I watched all these videos. This dude told me it was the best way. Like, everybody say their way is the best way, too. The only way for you going to know is just to go ahead and do it and and, do, and figure out what's comfortable for yourself. Like, there's nobody that's going to be able to tell you what's comfortable and what's the best way. They're going to say it's the best way, but it may not be the best for you. And so, 
Don't 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 get too uh too caught up on everything. Just do it. I, I live my life that way. I, I just jump into it and do it, and I, I learn from there. That's really good advice. Yeah, there are so many different ways to grow, and Man. it can become so overwhelming. It's like just do it, try it, do what you think yeah. best, adjust. Every, every part, there. every single part of growing <laughs> is a different <laughs> million different ways to do it. <laughs> like, like you'll yeah. never, you'll never be satisfied. All right, so wrapping things up, where can the listeners find you, and what do you got upcoming in the future? Well, yeah, you already know. I'm trying to. Uh, we still trying to open this uh, this dispensary. So, um, Detroit right now is being sued, uh, which is a whole another story. But they're being sued for basically trying to have this program for low income people, um, for people who aren't low income that don't qualify for it. We're being sued for it. So, the dispensary may not end up in Detroit, but there will be a good buzz wellness center. Uh, we're not gonna give up on that. Uh, it may not be in Detroit, but it will be. Uh, if you want to holler at me, you already know to follow me on YouTube, Mr. Good Buzz. Uh, you can keep up with me on the Instagram um, and see what's going on uh, on Mr. Good Buzz on Instagram. Um, and I'm on Facebook and Twitter as well. Um, all Mr. Good Buzz. So you can just type in Mr. Good Buzz on anything and you can look me up. I might even start a, uh, I might start a TikTok uh, girl channel too. And just do some like some quick little grow grow things on TikTok. I've been seeing some uh, stuff like that lately too. So I might get on there as well. I already have a TikTok page, Mr. Goodbuzz, there as well. So y'all can go and holler at me there as well. Awesome. Well, for those on YouTube, I will link his YouTube channel down in the description section below, so you can go down there and click on it to get to his channel real quick. Give him a sub. Show him some love over there in the comments. Appreciate it. And, yeah, thanks so much for coming on, Mr. Good Buzz. I'm glad we got to finally do this. Uh, I think it was yeah. a great talk. I appreciate and, you uh, being patient with me, too, man. And yeah. yeah, we went through hell trying to get this going, man. Y'all don't even know. I, 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 I was waiting one of these. I was like, man, you know what? Forget it. I, like, I don't want to do it no more. At that point, I was going to beg you, like, man, please, man, please. <laughs> yeah, man, appreciate but that, we, though, man. We got it done, yeah. We got it done for sure. But, uh, yeah. all right, I will let you go. And, uh, yeah, have a good one. All right, man. Appreciate y'all, man. We out. Peace.